Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville from our studio in the Macklin Building. Today's show presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Scott Wagner and the team at Dr. Wagner's practice have your back. Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Much to cover on today's show. We'll talk the passing, the deaths of two men in this community. Fathers, friends, known commodities, Eldridge Skeeter Smith murdered on Saturday night, Mark Mincer died brain cancer over the weekend. A lot to cover on today's program as we remember two men in this community who are resting in power as we speak. We'll talk about the violent brawl at Charlottesville High School. Violence is becoming a common denominator at area public schools. And if you're a parent like me, and like my wife, and like so many in this community, you got to start asking what the heck is going on here? What the heck is going on here? And I will continue to ask those questions on this fine and fair talk show, guys. We'll also talk on today's show about Virginia basketball. The Wahoos travel to Syracuse to face the Orange, 7 o'clock tip ESPN. Wahoos are a five-point favorite. Since Tony Bennett made one key change, and that key change is putting Vander Stash, Vander Plass, Vander Stash, in the starting lineup in place of Shedrick, this basketball team has been a completely different club. Shedrick's minutes have been cut significantly. Vander Stash's minutes have upticked significantly. You've also seen a lot of Ryan Dunn in the ballgame, the fabulous first year, who's taken minutes away from Jaden Gardner. These changes have made Virginia basketball potentially a Final Four team. That topic on today's show. We'll also talk some real estate tax, real estate assessment news. Assessments are spiking. Seville City, Almoral County, the assessed values of your property are getting costly. Now, the jurisdictions, Almoral County and Charlottesville City, they can't do anything about assessments. Those are tied to market value. What they can do is manage the tax rate, real estate tax rate, to offer some relief. We'll give you some perspective on that on today's program. This show is dynamic, so you, the viewer and listener, can offer your thoughts, and I can relay your perspective live on air. Just put your thoughts in the comment section, and either Judah or I will relay your thoughts um, to, to our audience that is active and to the various media outlets that watch this program on a daily basis, including literally right now and today. I want to talk, I want to start with the, um, the Eldridge Skeeter Smith story. I'll give you the who, what, when, where, why, then I'll offer some personal perspective. 9.40 p.m. roughly on a Saturday evening a couple of days ago, Charlottesville Police Department arrived on the, street, on the scene, Grove Street, the location, and they come across um, an SUV. And within this SUV, Eldridge Vandrew Smith, known in this community as Skeeter or Skeet, was found dead on the scene. He had been shot multiple times. Eldridge Skeeter Smith 
a Charlottesville High School graduate, played basketball for Coach Mitch Miner at Charlottesville High School. I met him for the first time when I was roughly, I don't know, 20 years old, maybe 21 years old. I was a third year at the University of Virginia, and I was a correspondent for the Daily Progress Sports Department. A correspondent, also known as a stringer, is a part-time worker who is looking to gain some experience to get into journalism. As a correspondent or a stringer, I was often covering high school sports. And the high school sports would be anywhere from field hockey, cross-country track, to sports that had more fan following and notoriety, like Friday night high school football, or like basketball in the Jefferson District, which is followed by quite a lot of people. As a third year at the University of Virginia, there was a basketball team that often was the most talented, most fun to watch. They played an up-tempo, get-up-and-down-the-floor type of game, and that was Mitch Miner and the Charlottesville Black Knights. Coach Miner, um, who's a friend of this program, had a way of connecting with players. He had a way of getting the best out of players. And on this particular basketball team, I was 20, maybe 21 years old at UVA. I was covering Coach Miner and his basketball team as pretty much a rookie sports writer. In fact, in a lot of ways, that was my first I don't know, taste of a professional career, I guess, if you may. And I'm sitting in the stands, and I'm watching this guy who's Eldridge Skeeter Smith just, like, battling on the boards and, like, playing with, like, this relentless motor. I mean, he was physical. He could jump. He could defend the post. He crashed the offensive glass. He played with reckless abandon. He played with with this zest um, that was contagious. This basketball team had a lot of talent. Devin Gentry was on the perimeter as a point guard. Front of the program, Kelly Richardson was the big man, 6'3", 6'4", could jump. But Eldridge Skeeter-Smith, in a lot of ways, was the heart and soul of that team. His motor, his energy determine a lot of what his teammates would do. It influenced them. And because he was so talented, (coughs) oftentimes a double-double machine, for those that don't follow basketball, when you're logging a double-double, you're getting 10-plus points and two different, 10-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, 10-plus assists, 10-plus blocks. In Skeeter's case, it was often 10-plus points and 10-plus rebounds, which he did on a regular basis. Um, I had the chance of getting to know him through interviews before and after games or through interviews for player profiles or through interviews for his place on the All-Central Virginia basketball team with the Daily Progress. He always took a moment to talk to me. He did it in respectful fashion. You understand the influence he had on his basketball team. murdered at 36 years old in Charlottesville City. A man who's a father who shot multiple times in an SUV. And I'm just left scratching my head here 
and I have been all weekend long, and I'm wondering what the heck is going on with this fair and fine city. This, about a week ago, in fact, a week ago later today, we find out a middle school student in Albemarle County is shot by Champion Brewery. A few hours later, another person shot by Champion Brewery. I've been in this town for 23 years. Came here as a first year. It has not been easy to watch this town evolve from sleepy, quiet Mayberry to what it's evolving into now. Where you get up in the morning and you look at social media and you wonder who's getting shot next. I feel for Eldridge Skeeter Smith's family and his kids. And I hope Charlottesville Police Department can figure out who did this to this man. 36 years old, murdered inside a parked SUV. How many of you watching this talk show have asked this question over the course of the last six months. What is going on in this town? A shootout in Belmont by the I Love Charlottesville a lot sign. Once we get some more intelligence on that shootout, we realize a lot of the people involved, in fact, all the people involved, have no real ties to the city. You got a man murdered on the downtown mall outside of a bar. You got kids shooting each other in the shadows of the Omni Hotel. You got a middle schooler pierced by a bullet a week ago. A middle schooler, kind of near Champion Brewery. Now you got yet another murder. (sighs) Grove Street is close to the UVA hospital. Grove Street is undoubtedly a gentrifying neighborhood, much like Fifeville. In totality, is gentrifying. I'm just confused, you know? Are we at a time where life has so little value? Is that basically what the era we're living in now? Are are young kids these days so exposed to violence on their cell phones through videos or violence in the hallways at public schools that they could care less about someone's life? Could care less about taking someone's life? About killing someone? Is this gang violence? Is this a turf war? Is this about drugs? 
Why has Charlottesville, over the last year, become such a hotbed for, ga- for gang and gun violence? What is the, the impetus, the foundation? These are questions I'm wondering. These are questions that I know you're wondering. And I think our new police chief, Chief Cautious, he's got his work cut out for him because the violence is only becoming more prolific and his police department staff is becoming only more empty. About a third of the department is currently vacant. So how do you solve prolific gun violence and frightening gang violence when your police department is a third vacant? How do you ensure safety for taxpayers, residents, and citizens when you don't have enough patrol cars on the street? Maybe that's why Conscious has paid the big money, the $200,000 plus money a year. Certainly not a position or a predicament or a conundrum that I would want to solve. Our thoughts and prayers to Mr. Eldridge Smith's family, in particular his children. And before I get to the next topic, which unfortunately is a massive brawl at Charlottesville High School, uh, I want to close with this. I encourage all the parents listening to this show, all of them, to watch very carefully what your children are absorbing on their cell phones. Because the ability to find content online and on social media that is violent content is influencing your child's outlook on life and your child's outlook on the significance of life. I'm starting to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, right? When I was young, it was about punching and wrestling and fighting. If you had a beef with someone, the worst you could expect was a little physical altercation after school, on the playground, on the sports field. Now that punching and wrestling and beefing involves guns. And it involves children that have no regard for the value of a life, or at least it appears to be that way. Eldridge Skeeter Smith, dead at 36. Rest in power. The next segue is to a massive brawl at Charlottesville High School. Then we'll weave Judah Wickhauer into the mix. He's the director of this fine and fair talk show. (laughs) 
Lately, we've been talking about fighting in schools, brawls at schools, stampedes at schools, chaos at schools, and they assaults at schools, sexual assaults at schools, drugs at schools, vaping at schools, disregard for respect for teachers at schools, and they've been persistent and, and consistent with Almoral High School. Now it's Charlottesville High School. Charlottesville High School had a brawl so violent and so large and so massive that it made the newspaper and the legacy media news. The spokesman for Charlottesville Public Schools who spoke to the media said, and I quote, this is not breaking news. This happens at every high school and it's not worth reporting about. You know what I say to that spokesman from Charlottesville High School? I say that's BS. It's one thing for two kids or a few kids to get in a fight. It's another thing altogether when a dozen plus kids are attacking each other at the entrance to a high school, standing on desk, and teachers are expected to break up the brawl and the fight. It puts teachers in a terrible position. It puts administrators in positions where they have to give quotes to the media, marginalizing the violence in schools, saying it's no big deal. It's a terrible look for the school spokesman from Charlottesville High School. And it put the principal of Charlottesville High School in a position where the day of the brawl, we're talking later on Thursday, this past Thursday, he sent an email to the parents of the kids at CHS and he essentially begged the parents for help. He said, we need you, moms and dads, to actively get involved with your children and to be a voice of common sense and reason when it comes to violence in our hallways. The two largest high schools in the area, Almoral High School and Charlottesville High School, appear to be chaos at best, a violent, wild, wild west, more realistically. How do you feel about these parents? What does this do to enrollment at public schools? What does this do to keeping teachers in the classroom, earning a paycheck? Does it dissuade the teachers from finding a different source of income and a different place of work? Does it push teachers to private schools or career changes? If enrollments drop at public schools, how does that impact funding from the Commonwealth? Well, it drops. This is a snowball effect that's happening at our public schools, and it's a concerning one. You got tardiness with buses, you got teachers quitting, you got violence, drugs, assaults of the sexual and physical variety. You got test scores plummeting. You got superintendents pushing wokeism as opposed to common sense and reality. You got private schools reaping the benefits. And you got parents wondering what the HE double hockey sticks is going on.
it's demoralizing. I'll be straightforward. It's demoralizing. I was corresponding with a father over the weekend through Facebook direct message. I believe he's watching now. He asked me not to use his name, and any parent or teacher or anyone who interacts with me on this show, if they ask for anonymity, by now you know I respect it and I value it, and I'm a vault when it comes to information. And he said to me, he goes, I'm extremely nervous about putting my kids into schools that are public. It's rattled his cage so much that he even sent me a direct message about considering a move. A move strictly to put his boys in a different school system. And he's not the only one thinking that way. So many friends of this program are put in this predicament. And the predicament is, do I put my child's safety ahead of what's best for the household financially? And 90% of the time, maybe even greater than that, moms and dads will put their child's safety over what's best with the household financially. And that could mean a physical move of a house, to a different school district. That could mean private school tuition, which is costly. That could mean homeschooling, boarding schooling, boarding schools, whatever it may be. I've said so many times on this show that a school's three main objectives, the top three priorities for a school, from my standpoint, are as follows. Priority number one, Get the kid to school on time. Priority number two, keep the kid safe at school while he's on school grounds. Priority number three, get the kid home on time and safe on time. Priority four is academic performance, quality of life, and helping young men and women mature into adults. But the top three priorities for any school, get the kid to school Safely and on time. Priority two, get the kid, keep the kid safe while on school grounds. And priority three, get the kid home on time and safely home on time. Those three priorities, safe and on time to school, safe while in school, and home and safe on time, can we confidently feel or confidently say that our public schools are doing this right now? I don't think Almoral High School is doing that. Do you? It's clear Charlottesville High School is not doing that. Oof. And I feel for the teachers, man. I feel for the teachers. I feel for the school bus drivers. I feel for the, the, the middle management, which is the school administrators. Because from the top down... They're not getting the support they need. I've said it once, I'll say it again. I do not think the superintendent of Albemarle County Public Schools has a grasp on his school division in 2023. I think the superintendent of Albemarle County Public Schools is much more politician that he is operator. He's much more control, much more focused on perception and politics 
than he is operating a school division and supporting his teachers. And until he proves me, and I'm speaking to Dr. Haas, that he's more focused on teachers and supporting them and doing what's right for the students as opposed to wokeism and politics and looking good for a select few, school board, I'm talking to you. I think Dr. Haas deserves to be on talk shows like this, held accountable. Because from my standpoint, Haas's priority list is not get kids to school on time and safely. It's not keep kids safe in school and get kids home on time and safely. It's none of that. Haas's priorities seem to be rooted in wokeism, rebrandings, Curriculum. And it's demoralizing. We'll get to comments here in a matter of moments before we get to some of other topics. I'd like to weave Judah Wickhauer into the mix on a two-shot. You know, it's funny. And funny is an absolutely wrong word. Strike funny. It's sad. Or Judah, it hits even more at home when you know the person that was murdered. No doubt. And I'm not going to say on this talk show that Eldridge Skeeter Smith and I were best buddies or we're tight or we're going to the downtown mall together. It was none of that. But he was one of the first people, one of the first athletes that I struck a relationship with as a reporter at the newspaper. That relationship started because of his athletic accomplishment on the hardwood, but then it developed because we built a connection through these interviews. Yeah. And I wake up on a Sunday morning and I see in the headline that it's Eldridge Smith, 36 dead. And the first thing that strikes me is like, is this Skeeter? Yeah. And then I do some reconnaissance on Sunday morning and I find out it's him. I learned for the first time that it's Skeeter from Kelly Richardson's Facebook page, friend of the program. And then William Isabel's Facebook page, friend of the program. And it made me so sad. And it made me sad because this dude has kids. And, and as I've gotten older and become a father of two and a husband, I look at things so differently now because I see people as someone's son or daughter. And I think of the position that the parents are in or the kids are in having to bury their son or bury their father, and the grieving process that goes with it. And it's one thing to bury your son, or your father, or your mom, or your dad, when this particular person has had 85 years or 90 years of good life on this earth, and happy memories. It's yeah. another thing altogether to do it when someone's 36 years old, and shot multiple times in an SUV next to the UVA hospital. Yeah. 
just shows how precious life is. And it just shows you how every day you cannot take for granted what God has given us on this planet. And he's given us the ability to live in the best country in the world. And what I think is the best city in the world. And a town that has got so many things going for it. But we have been so punch drunk with Charlottesville in a world-class city that we have not identified what is undoubtedly a monumental problem right before our eyes, and that's gun violence and gang violence. And I don't know, and I'm going to stop talking here, I don't know if it's the influence of what cell phones and smartphones and social media, where you literally can see any kind of violence you want, whether you want to see it or not, I don't know if it's the influence of, 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 of the violence in schools. I don't know if it's the influence of the violence at home. But it seems like the generation is changing. And it seems like the respect for how precious life is has evaporated. And I'm starting to get to the point where I wake up, especially after a weekend, and one of the first things in my mind is where was the shooting last night? And did anyone get murdered? What the heck is that? Yeah. Show is yours. Judah Wickhauer, director of this fine and fair talk show. Well... I agree. I think it is a shame that we're seeing so much of this in Charlottesville. Uh, it's a shame to see it anywhere, but um, it would be interesting to find out how or if all of these uh, shootings are how they're connected. Are these? Is this all the same group? Is it? Uh, is it just? Is it just that we're seeing more of it because we're more connected? Um, I mean, this kind of thing is been happening for as long as there have been people. Um, I've got a similar story about uh, someone that I used to live next to in, in California, and we found out years later, I mean, this guy this guy was my next nine extra neighbor for <clears throat> probably five or six years when I was a kid, had a twin sister, and found out years later that he was, uh, he was killed in a, in a subway. Some guy came in to rob the place. Like, how much, how much was that guy's life even worth? How much did the guy, how much did the, did the robber expect to, to make it a subway? Uh, it's just, it's sad and it's senseless and uh, it's terrible. Um, I hope that, uh, I hope that Conscious is, uh, what a, what a steep climb and a dubious task and a challenge Kachis has in front of him. I think it would almost be easier for him if it was all gang-related. I mean... Uh, Why? Because then you could just label it as gang activity? No. And, and because, compartmentalize it? No, because, because if it's all just random, there's really no way to stop that. You can't arrest enough people to stop random violence. Because it's random. It doesn't, it, it doesn't happen because of, uh, you know, a certain... It doesn't happen because one gang is pushing against another and you can guess where it's going to happen next. 
or you can guess, you know, that it's the drugs are involved. If it's just random, how do you how do you try to stop the next the next shooting? You can't. But if it's uh, if it's all one group or two groups, if it's gangs, then at least you have some hope of I don't know. I, I'm not a I I. Most of what I know about uh, this stuff is lifted from uh, from TV and movies. But uh, you know, with any hope, maybe you can get someone inside a group and get a better understanding of what's going on and how to stop it. Like I said, if it's just random, how do you stop random? You can't. Oh. Kevin Higgins, King of Greenwood, leaves a comment. He says, this is pretty simple, guys. The community or a portion thereof has trashed our police, has demanded to defund the operations, yet they expect the city just to operate in some fairyland as is. Life does not work that way, and now the city is paying for it. The city better put money and resources on this issue now, or we are the next Richmond, Virginia. Hmm. What do you make of that take? There is certainly a very active portion of Charlottesville that is demanding that the police be defunded. The reality so far is the police department, the Charlottesville Police Department, has not been defunding yet. They've not had money from their budget taken away. I don't know how many police stations have been defunded. Um, And I don't know if I'm fully on board with the contention that uh, that Charlottesville is in the state or the uh, uh, violent having, murder capital of the Commonwealth. No, I don't. No, I no, I don't think that uh, that we're in the state that we're in, or that uh, or that we can lay all this at the blame of of uh, whoever you want to lay the blame at, uh, whichever organizations are uh, are currently you know wanting to defund the police. Um, there may be I I could I could see that there may be some some policemen and police women who may have left the force. Uh, I I don't see I don't see three quarters of our police force leaving Charlottesville because some people a third one third empty one third I don't think I don't see a third of our policemen and women leaving the force because a small but vocal group is, uh, is shouting for, you know, defund. I, I, I'll throw this here. Anonymous, we'll get to your comments. John Blair, we'll get to your comments. Lisa Costello, we'll get to your comments. I see him coming in. Brittany Gray, we will get to your comments. Um, I'm going to ask the viewers and listeners one question, and then I'm going to respond to your statement. Which career path, if you're a mom and dad right now, you're a mom and dad right now, and you have children, and your children are showing interest in becoming a public school teacher locally or a police officer locally, if you're a mom and dad, which of those two career paths would concern you the most for your child? Local police officer or local teacher? They have a lot of commonalities. I would say police officer. I don't think they have that many commonalities. 
commonalities I see, underpaid. That's, I mean... Underappreciated, underpaid, underappreciated. Quality of life is deteriorating. Long hours, difficult schedule. Both have to deal with violence. Granted, the police officer is at a completely different level. Can't afford to live in your community. Teachers and police officers, neither can afford to live here. The commonalities are there. Yeah, but you're, People are quitting quickly. But the things you mentioned are common across a lot more jobs than just cops and teachers. That's fair. And to your point, and it's a point that I think you would make, because I know you well, the police officer is putting his or her life on the line. And as at least to this point, we are not saying that the teacher is putting his or her life on the line, although a six-year-old shot a 26-year-old Newport News first grade or kindergarten teacher a couple of weeks ago. And if she hadn't blocked the bullet literally with her hand, she may have died. Differently, yeah. She may have died. And that's a completely different story. Yeah. With much more momentum in legs if that teacher had died. Thank God she put her hand up. She sacrificed her hand, let a bullet go through her hand, did this, the stop mechanism, and that friction kept her basically alive. How confident are you, mom and dads, of putting your kids in public schools right now? How confident are you, mom and dads, of letting your son or daughter go to the downtown mall while you are watching a live band play the the Ting Pavilion for Fridays After Five? Mom and dads, would you drop your son or daughter off on the downtown mall on Friday at 6.30 p.m. and say, I'll come back at 11 p.m. to pick you up? Would you do that still? Or would you think twice about it? My wife wouldn't do that. I know for a fact she would not do it. To your point about gangs and you, you want them to be connected, this violence. I mean, I don't want them to be. It, but it it's a good point. At least it's, a, it's, at least it's a, a playing field that you could use to investigate. Yeah. That's your point, right? Yeah, logically to me it just seems like that would be an easier an easier case to, to track, so to speak, um, rather than just, you know, random, I mean, what, random people going crazy and shooting people in Charlottesville? I mean, that's terrifying in and of itself. Um, but it seems like that would be a lot harder to figure out. Agreed. Senseless violence is senseless. And, uh, investigation requires some type of understanding or making sense of uh, of happenings and clues and you know uh, if there's no order then it's a lot harder to figure something out I'm gonna th- I'm throw this to the viewers and listeners and I catch I catch heat for this statement all the time I stand by the police with significant, significant loyalty, significant vocalism, yeah. and significant commitment. Yeah. I stand by the blue. 
And I would encourage viewers and listeners of this talk show, if they hear people in this community say, defund the police, marginalize the police, knock the police, to tell those folks that are offering that narrative, you say, stop it. I don't want to hear that anymore from you. Mm -hmm. Say that to the people that are saying, marginalizing the folks, marginalizing police officers. Say, stop it. If you're a police officer for Charlottesville Police Department, think about what you're thinking right now. Gang violence or gun violence is at an all-time high for Charlottesville City. We're about to talk about real estate assessments going through the roof. We've already identified a portion of the community throw shade and talk smack about police officers. It's extremely expensive to live here. Yeah. Why would you stay with a badge at CPD right now? Part of the community is throwing shade and talking smack about you. Housing is costly and out of control. And gun violence and gang violence is spiking at levels we've never seen in Charlottesville history. Of course you would think about going to one of the counties that's adjacent to Charlottesville City, getting higher pay, and living in an area that's more affordable, that's not nearly as violent, and when you, the police officer, you're considered a hero there, where Charlottesville City, a portion of the community, thinks you're what? I mean... How would you characterize what the socialists call them? I mean, they write it, they write it all over the place. I see it. That mailbox across the street... From the I Love Seville studio on Market Street? ACAB. How long has that graffiti been on that mailbox? At least a year or two. Years. Yeah. There's a mailbox across from the I Love Seville studio on Market Street, what, half a block from the police department? That has a hateful message about the police department. Yeah. How many of the police officers leave the garage and drive by that blue U.S. mailbox? that's on the side of the road, and see that hateful message. Yeah, all of them. All of them! Probably every day. Probably every day! And that's not, certainly not the only place that you'll see that. No, it's everywhere in this town. Yeah. When did the police officer stop being a hero? Part of that, but to be fair, is understandable, especially with uh, what we've seen in the news recently. But Memphis, that, I understand that. That doesn't mean that uh, that doesn't mean that every cop is exactly is a carbon copy of of those uh, those men. Why don't we revert back? Maybe maybe this is what we need to stop the gun and gang violence. First, it starts at home with mom and dad. Know your children. Know your children. What are your children watching on their screens? Interact with your children. Hold them accountable. Punish your children. Punishing does not mean beat. It means time out. Taking things away. Removing from their lives things they enjoy doing because that's called holding them accountable. Moms and dads, you're not your kids' friends. You're their parents. It starts at home. Maybe the next level of start, though, is how we look at police officers. We have to stop marginalizing them and start championing them and pedestaling them. Because these are the folks that are going to solve the gun crime and the gun violence and the gang crime and the gang violence. It's not going to be the keyboard warriors on Twitter. Right. It's not going to be you guys. 
You can't go on behind a, a fake profile picture and a fake name on a message board and throw shade at the police and then also say at the very same time, I feel unsafe in this community. That's called hypocrisy. Yeah. That's hypocrisy. You want to feel safe in your community? Champion the police. Pedestal the police. Support the police. And get to know them. Get so to know the so police. You're better able, able to hold them accountable when they do horrible things. But that is not the majority of cops or any other profession in the United States, and I think we all know that. Well, son. One of our favorite clients is watching the program, Judah. Ida Thornton. We love Ida. Ida is a great person. She's a great person. Ida has police in her family. She says, Amen, Jerry and Judah. Very well said. Life is sad these days. Our children and grandchildren are so scared and have nothing good to look forward to. We need to change the narrative. We all need to stand up and fight for the safety of our students, our children, our homes, our community. Violence is the norm. Ask any student that's the first thing in their minds. They are afraid. Let's start at home. Educate and encourage our kids to move forward and think positive. There are so many good things in this world. Let's turn the tables. She also adds in a second comment, Ida, you've made the show better today. She says, in the police world, her husband's a police officer. I believe she has son-in-laws that are police officers or sons. She says, in the police world, no one will ever understand the impact it has on these men and women, not to mention their families. They put their lives on the line every minute of every day, on duty or off duty, put the resource officers back in the schools, put the police back on the streets to be a part of the community again, take the city council out of the decisions and let the chief be the chief, not the city council that has no idea what it's like to be on the job. God, it's so good. So good, Ida. I'm, you know, I just like, I am, obviously, you know, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And viewers and listeners of the show have seen the ugly of me wearing my emotions on my sleeve. And they've also seen the good. And I hope today is one of those days where you see the good. I, I'm just not going to stand anymore for people to, with people knocking or hating or throwing shade or, 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 or lambasting police officers that are making less than the cost of living here, putting their life on the line to drive by a blue United States post office mailbox on Market Street to see a nasty slur about them yeah. every day. Yeah. Brittany Gray is watching the program. When Brittany Gray comments, I listen. She says, Albemarle High School was a mess in 2005 when I attended, and it still is. Albemarle High School embodies politics before people, she says. Hmm. Brittany Gray also adds this. She's a mom, a wife, a businesswoman. She's going through law school, and she has goals of being a judge one day. Brittany Gray also says this. Today's culture hates cops to a point no one wants the job of protecting and serving anymore. 
Brittany Gray says, so easily it can all go wrong. Abuse of power is a real issue, and because of people who should not have ever been given a badge, we've lost many great people willing to stand. Hence, our small community is now stuck with troublemakers and no recourse. Brittany Gray also says, much of the defund the police messages have been infiltrated through our school systems. That statement resonates with me. I will say this again from Brittany Gray, and I want to unpack this statement because this one's really resonating with me here, okay? Brittany Gray in Fluvanna County says this, much of the defund the police message has infiltrated our school systems. You want to go first on that one? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I think, uh, uh, I don't know how much actual effect it has, but it's, uh, it's certainly... I mean, uh, they took the police officers out of the schools, J-Dubs. But what is that? I mean, I, I get that, but uh, that wasn't because of the students. The defund the police movement has scarlet-lettered officers. And because yeah. of this defund the police movement, police officers literally have been scarlet-lettered and aren't seen in the same positive light as they were, say, when did the defund the police movement start? I would say around the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Certainly when it picked up and uh, found, its, found its voice, so to speak. Yeah, it gained but, significant momentum then. But it's people like, it's people like the school boards that are the ones that are dropping the, the SROs from schools. The school boards are doing that correct. That's absolutely correct. But are the school boards being influenced by the defund the police movement? I would say yes. You look at the school board, say in Albemarle County. They tend to be very liberal. Seven extremely As far left as you can get, embodying wokeism, that don't understand the day-to-day operations of hallways and classrooms, but instead are politicians looking to climb a, a, a political ladder. Katrina Colson is the chairwoman of the school board, mm-hmm. and she's running for delegate in Richmond. House of Delegates. The school board, unfortunately, has become a political springboard yeah. where candidates or actual school board members are more focused on their next step. On the next step, as opposed to operations in the classroom and the hallways and safety. Yeah. And understanding what, it, what all of that actually means rather than just taking a knee-jerk reaction and saying, oh, this is what's best for, you know, this is what I think is best. I don't know how many of them are actually, uh, um, are actually, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not educated enough. That's not what I'm trying Aware? to say. Aware? Um, cognizant? How many of them have actually have studied in a uh, in a field or a uh, what am I trying to say? Experience. How many of them actually have the yeah the experience the uh, the understanding the know how to tackle these tackle these problems? Oh. 
so that we don't end up with situations where you're dropping all the the SROs from the schools and then two years later saying, oops. We made a mistake. Yeah, let's bring them back. And you know what the most concerning thing I have, my, my most concerned thought about the SROs returning back to Almore High School? What's that? Is this Dr. Haas and the school board saying, oh, we made a mistake? Genuinely, oh, did we make a mistake? Or is this Dr. Haas and the Amaro County School Board saying, let's try to save face as quickly as possible? Yeah. Uh, that's... Let's try to change the narrative and say this violence is because of the SROs aren't here and not because we made the decision to take the SROs out. And when Dr. Haas, about a month ago, said it's up to the principals at the schools, whether or not, whether or not they want to get the SROs back, yeah. I found serious, serious issue with that. Yeah. Because that's a politician insulating himself from decision-making. Yeah, Just like when the SOL scores were piss poor, especially for black and brown students at Almore County Public Schools, what was Haas's plan? Let's get a third-party consultant to tell us what to do. That's yeah. a politician protecting himself from decision-making. Yeah. That's not cool. That's not... Oh. Like I said, are these people qualified to make the right decisions for our, for our children? Maria Marshall Barnes is commenting. I believe this is Maria Marshall Barnes's first comment on the show. Is that correct, Mar Maria Marshall Barnes? I, I don't recognize your name, but I'm extremely grateful for your participation today. She says SROs are needed in every Almoral school. I'll say. She said kids are scared at school. I would be. Dude, the superintendent of the school called the bathrooms at Almoral High School gang bathrooms. Yeah. Literally, Dr. Matthew Haas called the bathrooms at Almoral High School gang bathrooms. This is the superintendent calling them that. I want everyone to think about that. And also someone who doesn't want SROs in the schools or didn't want them. Who was the so first... he's admitting this... Keep going. I apologize for interrupting. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. Clearly didn't want SROs in the schools, and now he's admitting or calling them gang bathrooms. Uh, clearly there's a problem, and clearly we need people who are willing to uh, take a stand and make decisions for, uh, that have our children's best, uh, best interests at heart and not just... Uh, not just virtue signaling. Well said. Judah Wickhauer, well said. <sighs> yeah. And are, are you seeing now that Albemarle County Public Schools are finally admitting that an assault took place in the JV locker room? that Almaro County Public Schools are now admitting that students were charged. Yeah. Almaro County Public Schools are now admitting that something happened after a JV football practice in a locker room. Well, it sounds like they've been asked the question often enough that it's pretty much impossible to hide. I understand their, uh, who, who? I understand their unwillingness uh, to, to talk about, to name names, because, you know, these are minors and... Uh, 
I think they're probably, I think they're definitely in the right in uh, keeping those names out of public records, at least in terms of newspapers and reporters. But all I asked, but, all yeah, I asked on this show. They should address the issue. Yeah. Who was the first to report anything in central Virginia about an assault in a locker room after JV football practice? Who was the first? Us. You and me. We heard from parents on the team. Yeah. Parents on the team tried to talk to TV. They ignored them. Parents on the TV talked to print. They ignored them. We carried that flag. And for much of last year, the same people that are screaming, defund the police, the same people that are utilizing virtual sig- virtue signaling tactics, and the same people that are saying, take the SROs out of schools, those folks went after me and you about talking about that assault at Albemarle in the, in the locker room with the JV football team. We got lambasted. We got ridiculed. We got hammered on social media. The only thing I asked throughout the entire process was not to name names. Yeah. Well, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of conflicting information about what was going on, and I know that uh, a lot of people thought that it was um, a lot of, you know... You know what they were doing? They were trying to dissect the words, the two words sexual assault. Possibly. That's what it was. Dissect the word sexual assault, the words sexual assault. That's what it was. And now we know charges were, arrests and charges were done. Well, all I needed to know was uh, we had word from, uh, you, can, you can... John Blair. Yeah. Somebody who had seen the video. And- I saw the video. I saw the video. I don't know that I knew that. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but but hearing that that John Blair had seen the video, and uh, I don't remember his exact words, but I'm pretty sure they rhymed with sickening, or, you know, that's that's what the general tenor of uh, of his thoughts on the matter were. That's, I think, uh... As reputable a source as, as I need to know that uh, that something wasn't right with all that. John Blair watching the program as we speak. He has positive commentary on Mark Mincer, who has passed away. Hmm. He says Mark Mincer was a prince of a gentleman. Rest in power, John Blair says. I'm putting Mark's photo up. Mark's photo is on screen. Look at the screen. Mark Mincer, his namesake store on the UVA corner. Mincer's. Mark Mincer passes away over the weekend. Brain cancer. Mark Mincer, a neighbor, lives in my neighborhood. I got a Mark Mincer story for you. Oh, man. Doing, sometimes doing this stuff is so heavy. It weighs so heavy on me, man. Just so heavy to talk about this sometimes. And it's just like physically and emotionally draining. I mean, but like, I feel like I wouldn't be doing this community like justice and, 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 and utilizing my skill set if I just went on here five days a week in front of this audience and did rainbows and sunshines. If I just did rainbows and sunshines five days a week on this talk show, I would feel... like I was not living up 
to expectations or what was asked of me. I walked into Mincer's, I don't know, maybe 13 years ago. Hmm. Started this business 15 years ago in May. BMV Brands and I Love Seville, the brands you see here behind me, are 15 years old in May. 13 years ago, I walked into Mincer's. And I asked for a meeting with Mr. Mincer. Didn't know Mark at the time outside of going into Mincer's on the UVA corner and buying some sports gear, and he was always there. I said, may I have a meeting, please, with Mr. Mincer? Mr. Mincer stops what he's doing, takes me to his back office in Mincer's. And I said, Mr. Mincer, I'm developing this brand called I Love Seville. Hmm. Here's the logo. And I'd like to get this far and wide. And perhaps we can do some kind of JV, a joint venture, where you carry my I Love Seville shirts at your store. We can even do them on consignment if you'd like. Or you don't pay for them up front if you don't want to to see how they sell. And then I check in with you every couple of weeks to see if any units have sold. And I can get paid for the shirts or the gear that did sell then. He took at least half an hour to 45 minutes of his busy day during the work hours, sat me down and walked me through the t-shirt and apparel business. Hmm. He said, this is what you got to do from a sizing standpoint. These are the sizes that are going to sell. I encourage you to get um, this brand of shirt that is less boxy, like the Gildan t-shirt, is like you're wearing like a, a trash bag. It's not form-fitting. Yeah. Instead, I suggest these two brands for you to do the shirt because they're more form-fitting. These are the sizes that are going to sell the most quickly. These won't sell as much. I like that you went with this orange and blue shirt, but not everyone likes orange. I know this firsthand because I have a store that's tied to UVA football and I have to cover different I have to sell different color apparel. Yeah. Because not everyone wants to wear orange. He told me about selling online. He told me about margin, about markup. He told me about vendors and how I should get my clothing, where I should get my clothing, who I should do business with. It legitimately was a 30 to 45 minute meeting. In the middle of his day, yeah. completely pro bono, empowering someone in a lot of ways who could be a potential competitor. I never was. Yeah. What he's doing is iconic. And I walked out of Mincer's 13 years ago, not only with a ton of knowledge, not only invigorated to get after I Love Seville and to grow it, but I walked out of Mincer's realizing what community stewardship and 
being a stakeholder or a leader in the community is all about. He didn't have to talk to a 27-year-old or take a meeting, or he could have said he was too busy, or he could have said I wasn't interested, and all that would have been fine. Instead, he spent over half an hour just being a good guy. I won't forget that. You know, and I hope one day I will get to be in a position to do the same. And my genuine hope is I will remember that 30 to 45 minute encounter with Mr. Mincer with Mark. And I hope it inspires me to do the same. so funny man wake up on Sunday and you see the death of two people you know two different kinds of death one murder the other brain cancer but both shake you to the core the same way And here we're left in a position in Charles Will Almaro County where our teachers can't afford to live here, our nurses can't afford to live here, our firefighters can't afford to live here, our police officers can't afford to live here. You look at your assessments that are coming out now, and I hate to make this about money, But the assessments that are coming out now, whether it's Almaro County or Charlottesville City, and they're jumping 10 percentage points plus for all of us on average. This is uh, this may be just anecdotal because there's no actual proof, but I did see someone uh, recently mentioning that uh, that they s- just bought their house in the last year, and their assessment is up 35 percent. Ours specifically, my family and I's, on the year, up almost 800 bucks. That's over two payments. You got your June payment and your December payment. But over 800 bucks is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, how many groceries, grocery runs for a family of four is that? 
my wonderful wife manages that aspect of our family, but 800, family of four, call it 175 for a family of four? at least three or four. I mean, you're talking four to five. Yeah. Four to five. And through hard work and through some strategic risk-taking, we can afford that additional 800, but how many cannot? Yeah. How many cannot? Right. How many are on fixed income or retirees or out of work? Mm-hmm. And then what does that do to violence? And what does that do to people that want to keep food on their table or their bills paid and they're stuck in a corner and they got no other, and they feel like they got no other choice? Yeah. Now we got to watch what the city does and what Almore County does. In fact, you got to watch what any jurisdiction does. The assessments on the House, elected officials, they can't control that. The assessments are tar- tied to market value. Right. In Central Virginia, the Charlottesville area is a popular place to live. People want to live here. People are sprinting and moving here. And because people are sprinting and moving here, whether they can work remotely through an internet service provider or they just want to completely change of pace and a better quality of life, it's a popular place to live. And because it's popular and there's buyers out there, the values are going up. What the elected officials can control is the real estate tax rate. Yeah. Will we see Charlottesville City, Albemarle County, heck, Fluvanna County elected officials choose to drop the real estate tax rate because they understand the financial predicament and plight of tens of thousands of people in the area? Yeah. Or will we see elected officials maintain the real estate tax rate or even raise the real estate tax rate because all they know is spend, 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 and spend some more? Remains to be seen. Anonymous is watching on Twitter. Anonymous sends us this message, Judah. I saw that you and Judah are talking about assessments. I have just downloaded the new city data set this morning and running the numbers. It seems like the mean increase is in line with the market. CFRP's repeat sales index using the Federal Housing Financial Authority methodology shows a 12.1% increase in residential sales prices from 2021 to 2022. CFRP also does a, is a, hedonic, a hedonic index, which came out at 9%. We'll see what FHFA's numbers and Zillow's numbers show for the full year 2022. They lag. Anonymous says, the big question to me is how the city is absorbing and spending such a large increase in revenues. If I look at taxable properties, assessed value since 2021 is up 21%. If we factor in the increase in tax rate by one cent, we are up to 22.5%. And yet public school enrollment is down and police staffing is way down. Schools and police are usually two of the largest call centers for any municipality. It kind of makes you go, hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. 
That's a great point. What are the local jurisdictions doing with the money? Yeah. Charlottesville City, a third of its department is not there. It's vacant. That means they're spending less money on payroll. Charlottesville City Schools, enrollment, student population is dropping. That would mean the schools need less money from the jurisdiction to run. Unless they're hiring more administrators. What is Charlottesville doing with the additional money? What is Almoral County doing with the additional money? Carol Thorpe says the assessment for my house in the Jack Jewett district is up over 19.6%. That is astronomical. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. We live in the Keswick area, and ours, just from a dollars and cents standpoint, is up 800 bucks year over year. Todd Rath is watching on one of the 15 Facebook pages this airs on. He's the king of cider, the owner of Blue Toad Hard Cider in Nelson County. He said Nelson County rolled back the tax rate. And I applaud Nelson County for doing that. Jesse Rutherford, the Board of Supervisors in Nelson County, they do a darn good job with being fiscally conservative. Definitely. And it's so crazy. You say to someone in the community or some people in the community, that you're physically conservative and you get lambasted. You get lambasted. Yeah. What happened to being physically conservative? I think... uh... Is it just the C word? That is just a... Profanity in this town? That's definitely part of it, but I think in terms of uh, in terms of actual spending and people's uh, thoughts and understanding of that, I think uh, a big problem is that uh, I think we've been sold on the idea that we can just spend. That uh, you know, if our government is like our parent then we take our cues from them and learned behavior is uh, if you look at if you look at how how the government treats these situations just spend until you reach the uh, until you reach your cap and then you raise the cap there's no sense of uh, of responsibility. Janice Boyce Trevilian, JPT. Not only are students scared, Jerry and Judah, teachers are as well. I believe Teachers are becoming targets. Vanessa Parkhill, Jerry and Judah, Dr. Haas has all the right credentials. Clearly having a PhD in the field isn't doing the trick. She says he was the principal at Almoral High School when our daughter was there. Vanessa Parkhill's the queen of Earliesville. Thank you for that comment. Logan Wells, Claylo, hello. Aaron King, the queen of Scottsville, and one of Western Almoral's finest graduates watching the program. Oh, man. 
Brittany Gray, who very well could be a judge in the near future. She's certainly going to be a kick-ass attorney. She says, I spent this weekend learning school choice and what it can do to better the public schools as well as those of us who don't want our kids to go to public schools. Nice. School choice would give every student 6000 back per year, and it would only remove one-third of the budget per child from the schools. I'd love to talk with you more about this sometime. We are very close in Virginia to getting this achieved. Hmm. She also says Dr. Haas was my principal as well at Almora High School. Is she saying it should be more taken from the schools? No, oh, she's saying that school choice should be a, should be a reality. Oh, I, I get that, but I, I guess here, I just... here, Here's the predicament. I want everyone to understand the predicament of school choice, the school voucher program. The school voucher program puts a dollar amount on a child's education. Right. And it says to the parent, you can have a percentage of the total cost to make a decision of where your kid's going to go to school and how that money is allocating. Someone correct, Brittany, help me, jog my memory here, Brittany. Vanessa Parkhill, jog my memory. Carol Thorpe, Tracy Lee Shiflett, Philip Dow, jog my memory here. The money in the voucher program is only the money earmarked from the Commonwealth, not any money marked or allocated from federal or a local jurisdiction. So in Almore County Schools... So basically it would just be shifting that money to wherever wherever the parents wanted to, wanted to put it. Potentially. With their child. Almaro County Public Schools, I'll put it in perspective, spends on average $18,000 plus per year per pupil. Yeah. That $18,000 plus per year per pupil is a mix of local dollars, yeah. Commonwealth dollars. dollars, and federal dollars. Yeah. The Commonwealth dollars are the ones that would be school choice are a part of the voucher program. This is a very hot topic. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are saying if the voucher program becomes a reality, that it's essentially defunding public schools and marginalizing what public schools are trying to do. The folks that are in favor of the voucher program, school choice, are saying, not so fast, my friend. The voucher program could alleviate overpopulation in public schools. Yeah. And when that overpopulation becomes more manageable and less populated, then public schools may have a better quality of life and better performance because teachers are teaching less kids, which means more hands-on time. Yeah. Less fights in hallways because it's less overpopulated. Quality of life is better. Yeah. Parents then get the choice to determine what that $6,000 is used for. Some parents would say, heck, I just want my kid to stay in public school. I don't want the 6000 Other parents could say, maybe I'll use that 6000 for homeschooling or charter schools. Maybe I'll use that 6000 as a way to help um, cover the cost of a private school. It's a hot topic. Mm -hmm. There's no 
clear-cut right answer. Yeah. Arizona, one of the first to utilize the voucher program. The governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, a huge proponent of the voucher program. The school voucher program is about a whiskers hair away from becoming a reality. Warrior AG on Twitter says this. Why would the police officers in Charlottesville stay with the Charlottesville Police Department? Who wants to be a cop considering how much bad publicity is thrown at them in this town? Warrior AG in Western Almoral, also known as Albert Graves III. Thank you for watching today. Tweet. Respond back to Warrior. Oh, man. Todd Raff says this. The city of Charlottesville should take a good, hard look at Rochester, New York, which was once an amazing place much like Charlottesville. Now Rochester, New York, is one of the most dangerous cities in the United States of America. See where they went wrong. Hmm. If you're an elected official in Almoral County, you're an elected official in Charlottesville City, you're an elected official in any jurisdiction, why would you be micromanaging what the police department does? If you're an elected official in Almoral County or an elected official in Charlottesville City or anywhere in Central Virginia or anywhere in any jurisdiction in the United States of America, what gives you the what gives you the entitlement to tell a beat cop or a lieutenant or a sergeant? what he or she is doing wrong on a day-to-day -day basis. I understand if a beat cop or a lieutenant or a sergeant commits a crime or worse. What happened with George Floyd was murder. What happened with, in Memphis, now a sixth police officer has been included and held accountable in Memphis. Mm -hmm. What happened there was murder. Those officers should undoubtedly be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law for abusing and exploiting their power. Yeah. But that's not the norm. Right. That's not the norm. That's an exception. And if a beat cop or a lieutenant or a sergeant or a police chief are going about their career and staying within the law, the elected official has no right to meddle. Because the elected official is meddling behind a dais and a suit and tie behind a microphone. And not with a bulletproof vest on, a club on their right hip, a gun on their left hip, some handcuffs on their belt, and some pepper spray on the other side of it. All this puts so much into perspective for me. Hmm. 
how do you go about talking about the UVA men's basketball team being a five-point favorite and traveling to Syracuse tonight to face Jim Beheim? How do you go about talking that Tony Bennett has cut Caden Shedrick's minutes and given them to Vanderstash, and he's cut, Jade, he's cut Gardner's minutes and given them to Ryan Dunn? How do you go about talking about the consistency of Franklin on the perimeter and the fact that Kia Clark is having the best year of his life or the fact that Reese Beekman is a pro or the fact that first year McNeely coming off the bench is as good a sharpshooter as we've seen since, since Kyle Guy? How do you talk about that on the Monday after Eldridge Skeeter Smith was murdered in the shadows of the UVA hospital on Grove Street with multiple bullets penetrating his SUV or Mark Minster died of brain cancer after positively impacting this community for 60-plus years. Yeah. How do you talk about it? Brittany Gray says, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to dub you the queen of Fluvanna, Brittany Gray. You deserve a moniker. You made today's show better, and you comment often. I've missed your comments of late. I'm going to say you are now forever known as the Queen of Fluvanna County. I will read this comment live on air now. Jerry, you are correct. State funds from the Commonwealth would assist and can roll over. Wow, all the way into college. I did not know into college that that money could be, the 6K could be rolled all the way into college. Put, give me more perspective on this, and then I'll research it, research it even more after the show. I understood the Commonwealth dollars could be utilized for homeschooling or charter schools or private schools, but the money from the Commonwealth can be rolled into college tuition? Is that correct, Brittany? Could you also store the 6K if you don't use it and then use it all at once in a lump sum for a freshman year in college? I don't know. I'm genuinely asking that question. Interesting. Carol Thorpe says, as the former leader of the Jefferson Area Tea Party, welcome to my world, Jerry. T was an acronym for taxed enough already. I banged the drum of physical conservatism for years and could get no one to listen. Yeah, not in Charlottesville. Why is that, though? Why is that? Help me understand. The, show, the socioeconomics, the anthropology, the sociology, just the makeup, the mindset. Help it, me understand. It could, it could be the... Proximity to UVA. We have a lot. What? Higher education, breeding? Not higher. Fill in the blank. Higher education breeds. Not necessarily higher education breeding, but uh, I mean, it's hardly it's hardly news that uh, that college campuses are largely left leaning, which isn't to say that everybody in college is left-leaning, but uh, you'd see it and hear about it, and the fact that this is, by and large, a college town, I think reflects that. 
and it certainly is shown in uh, in the voting. What did you make of Bellamy Brown announcing that he was going to run as a Democrat for House of Delegates? He had an announcement party at Cardinal Hall over the weekend. The announcement was covered by the Daily Progress. He ran as an independent for city council in 2019 and came in fourth place. He did not win a spot on the dais. Now running for House of Delegates in 2023 as a Democrat. We talked about this last week, remember? I asked you this question. How will Bellamy Brown run for House of Delegates? Will he transition from an independent to a Democrat for strategic purposes? Remember, I asked you that. We were uncertain. Yeah. Running as a Democrat. You have a crowded Democratic primary. Bellamy Brown, Dave Brown, former, former mayor, Dave Brown. Yeah. Bellamy Brown, community stakeholder, Katrina Coulson, Deshaun Dave Cooper. Norris. Not sure what Dave Norris is going to run as. Will Dave Norris run as an independent to avoid the Democratic primary? Dave Norris, will you do that? Will you run as an independent to avoid the Democratic primary? Or is the winner of the Democratic primary your new delegate? Sounds like it. So what if you were a betting man, would you bet Norris runs as an independent or as a Democrat? Uh, I don't know if I know Dave Norris well enough, but I, I could see him running as a Democrat and just saying, look, I've got the, the clout to, to beat the rest of these people, and I'm going to run as the Democrat that I've always run as. We'll see. I don't know. If I was offering him advice, we know he listens to the talk show. They commented on Thursday's show. I have beers from time to time with the red-headed LeBron James, Dave Norris. Do you have the photo on screen where we were standing next to each other that you can put on screen, or is that going to be a difficult find for you there? There's, uh, I think I can find it. There's got to be a folder with uh, the pictures on the wall. I would almost say Dave Norris, run as an independent. Avoid the Democratic primary and see if you can get a victory come November. Because if you enter the, this race as a Dem, and, and, and the scuttlebutt has Ned Galloway running for delegate in the same, for the same seat. If Galloway runs for the same seat in the House of Delegates, then you got Dave Norris, Dave Brown, Bellamy Brown, Katrina Coulson, Deshaun Cooper, and Ned Galloway. That would be six people. Yeah. Why would you not, and I'm just talking in general, why would someone not run as an independent and avoid the Democratic primary and see if they can win come November? Is it because the district is so blue that running as an independent would scarlet letter you and keep you from winning? Is that what it is? Is that what we saw with Bellamy at the city council race in 2019? Is the House of Delegates race, because it includes part, parts of Almore County, more purple? Has the political complexion of the district changed from 2019 till now? We certainly saw Yunkin pull it off, beat McAuliffe. Has the political complexion or the political identity for this district changed since 2019 to now? Are people more realistic and more focused on conservative family values, empowering teachers and officers, and focus on their child in schools? 
or is it still as blue as the district has ever been? We're going to find out. Yeah. Ida Thornton leaves a comment. Amen, amen, amen. I love you guys. You have hit it on point each and every time you're on air. Wake up, people. Listen to these words of wisdom and help make our world a better place. Speak out. Put your spare time into what matters in life. Life matters. Everyone's life. Stop the violence. Start the healing. Thank you, Ida, for your comments today. Mm. We love you, Ida. You sincerely do. One of our favorite clients. You got the red-headed LeBron James's photo? Just about. Man, he took a picture next to me and I was looking up to him. I'm like, this is the red-headed LeBron James right here. Tracy Lee Shiflet, in a nutshell, it comes down to leadership. Oh. All right. We started this show at 12.30. It's now 2.09 p.m. That means we have gone an hour and 40 minutes on this show without taking a break or stopping for commercial to use the restroom to answer text messages. An hour and 40 minutes straight of talking. People often ask, why is your voice constantly hoarse? I just talked for an hour and 40 minutes straight. And this is not like a normal conversation. This is a level of utilizing your voice that is much more harsh than a conversation with a person. Can you get the redhead of LeBron James on screen? Almost got him. Thank you. We can close with that. Carol Thorpe says, running as a Republican would scarlet letter the candidate. You would think at least one candidate might want to distinguish themselves by separating from the pack, but the party money and the D after the name on the ballot is a powerful drug. Hmm? Carol is a political junkie. She would know. All right, here we go. Redheaded LeBron James is on screen. Someone (laughs) tell Dave Norris we're giving him some props right here. Dave, are you watching? We love you, Dave. Are you watching? Look at the redheaded LeBron James. Wow, my hair was tall that day. I had to wear my hair tall to stand next to the redheaded LeBron James. I think we have another one that's my hair is not so tall and the disparity is even larger. Uh, let's see if I can find the other one. Hmm. Why is my hair so tall in that picture? All right. I'm going to go to you while I look for that. Um, you found it? No, not yet. Let's see. 19. Oh. Okay. That's all right. I know I'm putting you on the, on the spot here. Here we go. I think I've got it. You found it? Yeah. Lisa Costello says, of course, school officials will minimize, at least publicly, the brawl at Charlottesville High School. I think that's what's happening. When the Charlottesville spokesman, when the spokesman for Charlottesville schools is quoted in the Daily Progress, 
minimizing a massive brawl at the entrance of a school where students are standing on desks and teachers literally have to physically grab and bear hug students and yank and pull them from fights. When school spokespeople minimize that kind of action and activity, you got a major problem on your hands. A major problem on your hands. All right, here it is. Look at the screen. The red-headed LeBron James. Dave Norris himself. This is a, a race where we know a lot of... That's the one. Good Lord, my hair's not nearly as tall right there. You know what the challenging thing is? And we'll close on this. In the 2019 Charlottesville City Council race, we got to know Mayor Lloyd Snook before he got elected really well. He's right down the hallway. We have an advantage of seeing him more often. Yeah. We got to know Michael Payne. He came on this talk show like five or six times. We got to know Cena McGill, and we got to know Bellamy Brown, right? Those four people, while very politically different, had one thing in common. They generally got into this for the betterment of Charlottesville. Through this talk show, we get to know these people. In fact, the, uh, the show that, ha- that where this photo was taken of you and Dave Norris happened to have... A lot of those people, Dave Norris, Steve Harvey, Cena McGill, Bellamy Brown, and Lloyd Snook were all in the uh, studio the same day. Studio for on the, election for that, day. For that show. Thank you, Ida Thornton. Thank you for those kind words, Ida. I guess this is my point. We've had an opportunity to get to know these people. In this Virginia House of Delegates race, you got Bellamy Brown, which we know and respect extremely well. Yeah. You got Dave Norris, which we know and respect. We got Katrina Coulson. I don't really know Katrina. I know Ned Galloway. He's yeah. rumored or linked to be in this race. Mm-hmm. You got Dave Brown, former mayor. I don't know Deshaun Cooper. Nor do I. But three of the potential six candidates in the Democratic primary, if Ned Galloway gets in the mix, you and I know fairly darn well. Yeah. There was a comment here from Katie Pearl. I want to get to the comment from Katie Pearl. KTP, are you still watching? I'm a huge fan of Katie Pearl. Katie Pearl's the queen of Whitehall. Yes, she, I think she is still watching. And Katie Pearl looks at life through a common sense lens. She says, school boards are driven by the extreme woke minority. Imagine being a conservative or moderate parent that wants to send your child to a public school in Almar County. It's very unsettling. I'm sure. I can relate. Thank you, KTP, for this comment. I feel like I got like a three-ton elephant on my shoulders today. Oof. Anything you want to close with? You don't have to close with anything if you don't want to. Let's see. 
It's totally fine if you don't want to. Is that a pass? Yeah, I don't think I have anything for us. I'm sorry. That's no need to apologize. Totally fine. I'll close with this. I think we have, I think we might have the most I'm going to choose my words carefully. I think we may have some of the most significant local elections in area history in front of us this year. You take Almoral County. You have four positions on a seven-member school board up for election this year. Four of seven. These four people will be on the school board for the next four years. So this campaign cycle, we are electing majority control on the school board. Take the board of supervisors. There's six people on the board. This campaign cycle, we're electing three of six members on the board of supervisors. And Albemarle County alone School board control is up for election. And three of six spots on the board of supervisors up for election. Charlottesville City, three of five spots are up for election in the city of Charlottesville. Three of five. Mm -hmm. Three of five. So you have majority control up for re-election on the school board in Albemarle. Three of six spots up for election on the supervisors of Albemarle County, and three of five up for election in Charlottesville City. You got a completely redrawn district for Sally Hudson's seat. She's challenging Cree Deeds. That opens up her seat in the House of Delegates. You already have five people that are Democrats that have announced for that. Scuttlebutt has Ned Galloway jumping in the mix. That would be six. You got Hudson challenging Cree Deeds in the Virginia Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an off-off year. There's no presidential race. There's no governor race. That's an off-off year. But I can make a very convincing argument that you're looking at one of the most, ex- one of the most important election cycles in an embattled, uncertain, violent, concerning area that we live in. How would you describe the schools? Concerning, violent, underperforming, inconsistent, leadership issues? How would you describe council and supervisors? Spend, 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 tax, 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 tax. I would, you can make a legitimate, legitimate argument that you're looking at one of the most important. 10-month periods of time now until November that Albemarle and Charlottesville City have seen in some time. I'm, I, hope, I hope you enjoyed today's talk show, man. I, I can't bring 
more authenticity or, 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 or be more genuine than I was today. I can't, I can't be more authentic than I was today. That's the show. Judah Wickhauer is our director. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us, guys, on a Monday.